I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where I need everything. Hello and welcome to JK Plus One. I am not your host, PTF. Uh, he's talking about Willy Wonka. He called me this morning wanting to talk about Willy Wonka. Which is fine, but, uh, you know, thought we had more important things to talk about, but he wants to talk about Willy Wonka. That's what we'll talk about. I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited about our guest this week, someone who's been on my list to have on JK Plus One the first time I ever wrote a list back when we started this show in my little notes app on my phone. And uh, happy to have him. And what better time with the college football playoff final right around the corner? I mean, obviously absent the team that we all hoped would have been there, right? The Texas Longhorns. But nonetheless, Washington and Michigan tee off on uh, on Monday. And uh, I think our guests might have a little bit of insight on that. Before we get to that, I want to thank our friends at Qatar Racing. Thanks to Sheikh Fahad and the team uh, for their support for JK Plus One. It's been a fun season. We're looking forward to another season uh, right around the corner here. Thank you again to, uh, to uh, Qatar Racing for their support. Well, I think you probably know who I'm talking about, mostly because you probably read the intro or the, the title, but also because uh, I hinted to it pretty well at the beginning here. Chris Felica, uh, Bear, the Bear from College Game Day, also from uh, the big uh, college football Saturday, whatever it's called on Fox Sports, um, part of the Fox family. He was also, I was lucky enough to sit next to him uh, during the Belmont coverage and uh, looking forward to, to doing that again and looking forward to hopefully getting Bear up to uh, Saratoga a little bit more often. We have a really fun conversation just about betting, uh, about stats, uh, which he's been so uh, so famous for uh, with his contributions in the college football world and soccer and tennis and golf and horse racing as well. And it's a, a fun conversation about that, a fun conversation about uh, betting, the betting menu in general and, and racing and uh, some some other ideas. And then, of course, I get uh, some opinions from, from Bear uh, as it uh, pertains to the championship game on Monday night. Well, enough of me. Let's get to uh, our guest. Bear, what's going on? No, not much. Not much, JK. Long, long, long time. Last time I saw you, we were sitting uh, sitting out by the paddock in, in early June at the Belmont Stakes doing a little, uh, little Belmont preview show. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, it's been a while, but uh, hopefully that'll uh, – That'll change in the uh, in the near future here. Yeah, how was that for you? Did you did you? Uh, I mean, I know a lot of. We'll talk about your career, and it's 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 been a lot of college football. I think from from where you really got your notoriety. I know racing's love the fact that you've been a fan mm-hmm. because of your popularity through college football and betting. But uh, how was your your Belmont experience uh, being on air? It, it was great. I mean, I had done some stuff with ESPN when when ESPN had the Triple Crown. And uh, I remember doing Sports Center hits from when American Pharaoh had won the Triple Crown, uh, and, and we did some some stuff from there. So I, I had covered it in, in that sense from uh, already, but but it was it was much different this year because it was the entire preview show. Uh, it was the first time it was my first on air appearance for Fox in any shows. So it was kind of cool to be uh, home on Long Island for that and. Just uh, unfortunately, but we 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 had a card that had like uh, what was it like fourteen races and eleven favorites or something like that. So it wasn't it wasn't exactly the best card for you and you or me with all the all the chalk winning. But uh, it was fun to be out there and kick around ideas and just kind of uh, a funny funny story was at the uh, at the college football seminar, which was a couple of months uh, after Belmont. They they did a little welcome video. Uh, well, welcome the Mark Ingram to Big Noon Kickoff. Let's welcome uh, whomever else to the uh, football coverage. And and and, and here's a and they put together a little video of all like, yeah, well, like, let's welcome blah blah blah. Let's welcome the bear to to college. Here's a little here's a, here's a little bit of uh, what what the bear is going to offer to Big Noon Kickoff this year. And it was uh, a little like synopsis of all of my uh, Belmont picks. And yeah, I'm against. I'm against the favorite here and, and, and wins again. And so it was like, an, eh, and like, like just kind of making fun of all the, uh, the price plays that I had and, and, and the favorite winning. So it was, it was funny to uh, have a little be the, be the butt of the inside joke there at the, uh, the college for the, the college pro football meeting. 
that we had out at Fox the, it, during the summer. But no, it, it, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And, and I think as the year went on, certainly I got more and more comfortable with the, the new personalities and the new producers that I was uh, dealing with after being around uh, seeing a bunch of people for a long, long time at ESPN. So uh, yeah, it was fun. So, you know, look, I, 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 uh, I was a, you know, I love a college game day. I was a huge college game day fan and, and would always, you know, tune in. And, you know, I, as, as I got a little bit older, my Saturday mornings got a little bit busier with, 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 with child and, <laughs> and all of that stuff. But, you know, it was a religious thing back when I was in college and even just outside of college when I was coaching and waking up on Saturday mornings and getting to watch. What was that journey like? What, I mean, I know you started off behind the scenes, but how did you end up in front of the camera? Yeah, it, it was it was kind of a long time coming. Uh, I was always a little hesitant because I didn't want to be the the loud, obnoxious New Yorker flailing my hands and getting all emotional uh, like I did. And that was basically the the genesis of it was in, in meetings. I would be very passionate about an opinion, whether it was about a team who should be ranked higher, uh, why, why, who should win the Heisman Trophy, who shouldn't. Uh, this team is overrated, and here is why. Uh, and, and I would, I, I think this team is is gonna win, pull the upset, blah blah. And I would always be very passionate about what I said. And the producer Lee Fitting and and Kirk uh, Herb Street and Chris Fowler were always kind, kind of laughing. And then and, and Lee was like, "We got to Kirk was like, we got to figure out a way to get this on air because it can help the show." Uh, and, and we we never really like kind of hid that we we, look, we we weren't stupid or naive we knew people were betting on games so so we would kind of work some things in there from time to time like uh, this is the uh, the, the experts the, in the desert uh, expect this to be the highest scoring game of the weekend or the lowest scoring game or uh, be careful about blah 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 uh, in in when they're an underdog their teams typically play very very well in around 2012 was when they finally started interjecting me uh, on the air with kind of picks or thoughts uh, about games, giving out like uh, relevant uh, betting information and some some nuggets, statistical nuggets, either to support or refute something that one of the guys were saying. And then the following year, uh, the show actually expanded to to three hours. So they were like, okay, now we're, we're doing this. Uh, you're going to have a bigger role. You're going to love it. We're not going to make you look stupid. It's going to be great. So finally, when the when the show expanded to three hours, we created the board and uh, got three picks in a game. And, and then as uh, as my role kind of uh, became solidified, we just expanded it more and more. Because, because I, I think in Kirk especially, and Chris especially, and, and Lee, like, they, they understood that I had a lot more to give than just like, here's a betting pick. Uh, I, I had opinions, whether it was college football playoff or or BCS or something along those lines that uh, kind of just give a little bit of like an everyday kind of fan, uh, average Joe sitting around at the bar. Here's here's what people are people are thinking, and yeah, I'm rough and unpolished, but people kind of like that. So uh, we we interjected me more and more into the conversations, and then being a part of that regular uh, weekly uh, college football playoff discussion, and just kind of. Kind of, if I wanted it on something, if someone said something, I'd be able to be shaking my head in front of the, the little GoPro camera, and the and the either Kirk would notice it on the set, or the producer would notice it in the in in the truck, and uh, I, I, it's kind of like my signal to uh, to hop on in. So yeah, it, it was really just kind of right place, right time, and just uh, the the evolution of how uh, sports gambling became legalized uh, outside of Vegas, and then just the the, the playoff of the opinions that I had. So. Uh, it, it really uh, it worked out to a point where obviously my my contract was up uh, following uh, 2022 at ESPN, and uh, Fox was at a point where they're like, "Hey, this this guy no, loves horse racing. We have the Belmont Stakes. This guy loves soccer. We have the Women's World Cup and the World Cup and Copa and Euros. And hey, we, we're we're expanding big noon kickoff, and we're we got we got the Big Ten contract as ours. I like he, he could." could we potentially like do this? And um, yeah, all, all paths worked out to, to Fox giving me a great opportunity and a great chance. So uh, it was, it, it was, I, I don't want to say tough to leave ESPN. It was weird. It was surreal, but uh, 
without everything that I had experienced on college game day for 20 somewhat years, it certainly uh, would not have afforded me the possibility and, and, and the option and, and opportunity to, uh, to, to go to Fox and be a part of everything that I've been there. We love a little behind the scenes and I love a little behind the scenes selfishly. So prior to you being on air more, what was your role like throughout the week prepping for college game day? And like, what was your role on Saturday during the show? Were you, were you simply there to find, you know, those nuggets to help provide to the guys that they could then use? How did it all work? That was, yeah, initially as the, as the, the researcher, the information guy uh, for years and years, I was responsible for uh, coming up and building the, the on-air graphics that, that, that you saw, the full-screen graphics, uh, coming up with nuggets and notes and statistical information uh, that, that the guys would use sitting uh, in a hotel room Friday night with Chris Fowler as he's writing the show, just kind of like looking, looking for things and kind of going over his cards to, to kind of help him add some things that maybe weren't necessarily out there throughout the week, helping produce the, uh, the college football note packet at ESPN uh, that went, that, that went company wide. Uh, so yeah, a lot, a lot of all the little behind this getting with the producer earlier in the week to kind of help build the rundown and here are things that we could do like historically, Hey, the great moments in the Florida, Tennessee rivalry or, uh, times and uh, hey, uh, number one, Alabama is again uh, unranked, playing unranked whomever this week. Uh, they're only a blah 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 favorite. The like a video in play uh, treatment of like number times and uh, number one is lost to an unranked team or just little historical things. In and you being a being being as a handicapper, you, in a sense, you're kind of a researcher. Like like you're looking at the past performances and you're looking at the thoroughbreds and you're kind of interpreting it, interpreting it and kind of it's like a like an open ended thing. Like kind of like you're going a little bit of a wild goose chase at times. But uh, that, that's what made it fun. A lot of times, just like the best ideas came from like, hey, I, I wonder if uh, a top ten team has ever been an underdog against a, an unranked team at home and just kind of. We wind up building a, a Las Vegas historical spreads database. We wind up looking at, we wind up building a, an AP poll historical database, and and being able to have those questions and being able to have the resources then to, to kind, of, kind of find the answers. It was a hell of a lot of fun because it is, we went from, if, ironically, you'll 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 like this. Like you so you love the behind the scenes stuff. I, I remember in. And ironically, it, it involves Texas. I remember the, I'm sure you do, the uh, the, the Route 66, the 66-3 loss to UCLA. Uh, I was at 98, I think it was. And then the following year, they played again. And at the time, we didn't have those resources. We didn't have uh, databases. We didn't have easy ways to to look this up. So, but what myself and uh, Brad Edwards, who was my longtime uh, housemate and coworker at ESPN, we did have the book that we were using to help build the database, which was a historical AP poll book. It had every AP poll in it. So we literally were sitting there like two, like for two nights prior to the rematch of UCLA and Texas, we wanted to have a note that said last year uh, it was the largest margin of, of, of defeat ever for a top 10 team against an unranked team or whatever it was. And then what had, had those two, had those two teams ever played again the following year. So here, here were Brad and I like the night of Friday night before this Saturday, we literally had college football media guides and this poll book like spread out, like all over the floor on our house. And like someone was reading, reading polls and scores and someone was going through media guides, like, like looking, oh, nope, didn't, they didn't play the next year. They didn't play, oh, oh they did, but uh, the same result. So it, it was funny to just think of how we used to look some of, the, some of these things up like manually in order to be able to get an answer. And now it's so easy. But yeah, to, to, to that part of the job, I think, helped me kind of be on air and, and have a, a mind, an inquisitive mind of things that like, fans might or players or coaches or whomever uh, might be interested in. And it, it kind of let me down some good, some, some good paths and to, to bring up like what I think some, some pertinent uh, topics and, and numbers and notes. It's, it's funny. You, you talk about stats and, and, and we'll get to your, your Genesis 
your origin story as you know as as it was as a, you know for horse racing but what, you know i'm kind of of the belief is on air now i've kind of stopped with the the you know todd pletcher is 10 for 20 with first time starters adding blinkers in the last 2 years because to me those situations those stats are so nuanced there's so many scenarios that go into it that I think it doesn't always tell the full picture. And, and I feel the same way in, in, in sports where, you know, uh, well, the one I hate the most is like the historical one, like where like UCLA is, is 15 and three when they play Texas. Like it, it, it happened in, yeah, what happened in 98 means absolutely nothing for Saturday. So I, where, where are you when it comes to the stats and, and how do you look at stats when it comes to wagering, um, to your wagering opinions, how, how much does that influence horse racing, soccer, whatever? I, I think it, it influences a little bit. Whereas, like, like I won't necessarily play something because it's uh, like I mean, but I will I will think about it and maybe factor that in. Like, if there are other like matchup related notes and and matchup related situations where you've got a really good pass defense going up against a team that kind of struggles to 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 not only throw but run the ball like like there are there are matchups within a game that can kind of lead you to a to a side and, and then if there's a little a hey, team a uh, against team b you look at the last five years and kind of keep it recently with the direction of the programs like if you get supporting stuff uh, that, that that certainly helps but what i have found especially in college football is that a lot of the better related game gambling related notes tend to be two things. Number one are coach related, how coaches do in certain situations, how a coach handles uh, a bowl game, how a coach handles uh, back-to-back road games against top 10 teams or how a coach handles being a 40 point favorite against uh Bethune Cookman or pick an NFCS team uh, the week before they have a big showdown against a conference opponent like that that, those numbers seem to really yield some very powerful angles and some very powerful things where either you're really good in the situation or you're really bad in the situation so those I love I think those matter a lot I think and I think another thing that matters a lot are situations and by that i mean not not just like oh yeah they're 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 playing a a night game away from home or uh, they're 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 playing a a day game like no what 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 i mean is i like looking taking a ranked team or maybe they're playing an unranked team and just like those instances where you get like like an unranked team favored over a ranked team or like 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 a team like twentieth or lower favorite over a top ten team. While the teams are different throughout the years, the situation and the type of team are the same. So I think there is historical and handicapping value to say, hey, uh, seeing in in the college football playoff era of the last ten years, there have been twenty instances where we've had a team unranked that has been favored over a top 10 team. And in those 20 games, the unranked team has won 17 of them. Like that matters to me. Like that, that tells me that the, the odds makers clearly have a better idea of this situation than the, the AP pollsters. And, and while it's not necessarily Indiana and Michigan from 2014, it's now, uh, Iowa and Northwestern or whomever, the situation is still the same while the teams are different. So I, I love looking um, for, for those type of teams or, 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 or say like a team that maybe it may have five losses, five or more losses or a losing record at this point in the season uh, favored over an eight or a nine win team. Like it happens probably more often than not in, in looking at those situations going back. Because again, Teams are different, but the type of teams are the same. So I, th- I think, and there are people certainly that disagree with that, that think that those type of 
uh, historical trends don't matter. I just happen to be uh, on the other side and think that they do. How do you how do you apply that to to like do you apply that same kind of thought and theory? I was trying to think in my brain uh, to like a, a racing situation, right? Like a a, a winner of the uh, that the you know the winner of that final derby prep or, or whatever that is you know double digits you know or, or things of that nature. Have you ever have you ever kind of is there anything that pops in your head that yeah that, that, that's actually a, that's actually a great analogy. I and from the and you take it both ways. I will, and I think maybe maybe the best way is to look at look at beaten favorites uh, or, or a horse that's five or two or shorter for a bunch of different races, and maybe maybe they continually get beat on the on the Derby Trail, but they're running second, they're running third. Maybe they got enough points to to get into there, or maybe they don't have enough points to get in. And then maybe they're sitting there Preakness or Belmont Day, and they're like 12, 13, whatever to one to one. And it's like, hey, this horse was highly thought of all because – and you can go back and watch the race and be like, yeah, he, he didn't win this race, but traffic in front of him or he was pinned in on the rail, couldn't get out, was was drawn out wide and had a wide trip around and still fit in. Like there are little nuances within all of those races that there was probably a reason why the horse was – two to one and got beat or eight to five and got beaten and, and didn't make the derby. Then, then you come back and you're looking, you're looking at a situation. Was, was it a cloud computing, right? For, for Chad, like he, he didn't make the derby that one year and there he was, or he was Preakness day. Right. And he was what, 11, 11 to one or so. Why wind up really, but Bernardini, another one that didn't make, didn't make the derby for whatever reason. And then there they were, here he was 12 to one on Preakness day. And obviously the, the tragedy with Barbaro in that race, but, a lot of times people will see just, okay, beat in favor, beat in favor, horse didn't win, horse didn't win, and kind of, yeah, the horse doesn't like to win, but but there's always a little bit of a reason behind it. So I, I think that's probably the best little parallel I could make uh, in terms of like a historical kind of like maybe the horse is different, but the situation kind of remains the same. There's two stats uh, that, that like I've always wished I had. And they don't, I mean, I'm sure they exist somewhere, but when it comes to football, there's a stat that I've always wished I've had in the NFL and in college. And then I'll tell you my racing one as well in, in college and football, college and NFL. I always wish that there was a way to get people's, uh, I want to get play callers records against the spread against other play callers. Right. So like, I, I want to know what like uh Munkin is against as a play caller against a, a Nick Saban discipled defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's to, great. I, I love that idea. Just because I, I think that like that's that's where and you know and then then you know a guy that was uh, was a coordinator at Alabama who now is at Vanderbilt who was twenty seven and three against a Kirby Smart coordinated defense or something like I. I want to know those things. I think that there's, I think that there's something there with the play callers match, matching up against each other. That, that's a, that's a fantastic idea because I think a lot, like a, a lot of times like that, that's, I mean, not, not to be like, Oh, Dick Saban versus his disciples. But, I mean, that, that note was out there, but to actually have, uh, and, and, and like, like there are, there are certain columns and stories and articles that I have seen like the weeks of certain games, like a, uh, Chip Kelly's offenses against whomever is defense, like they tend to have a great, a, a great run or uh, Mark D'Antonio's defenses versus Jim Harbaugh's offenses. I mean, like the, the, the defenses have kind of run the day. Like I, I've seen like some cherry picked examples of that, but I have never really seen like a, a widespread all encompassing, but I wonder if that's something that, uh, sports source analytics might be able to uh, to look into because I know they have a very thorough, yeah, uh, call uh, very thorough uh, and they, database, with, with, and, and they do a lot of consulting work uh, with assi- like including like assistant coaches and coordinators. Uh, so they probably have a very significant list of uh, of coordinators and play callers callers going back a long time. Like, and it would just be up to someone to kind of take the time and go in there and add that to an existing database or creating something on their own. And the way that makes me think about it, right. is like, it's a little bit different, but like when, when I was coaching in, in Texas, we, we were a spread team, you know, we ran a lot of zone stuff. We ran the football, I mean, we, you know, we were, we, we were like a spread team. that was kind of 50, 50, a little bit more. Like I, I think Chip Kelly 
wants to run the football first. He just happens to be spread. But I know that there was a there is when when teams had superior interior linemen, they gave us huge problems. And when teams had very aggressive like outside backers and that kind of split the difference between our outside receivers and our tackles, those teams gave us tremendous trouble. And so I've always like also wanted to know like you know what is Chip Kelly's a Chip Kelly coordinated offense do against a uh, a, a first round draft pick defensive lineman, right? Like if there's a, if there's a, a first round draft pick defensive lineman present on that defensive line, how, what's, how does his offense is fair? I've always, it's impossible. I feel like I have to try to find it, but I've always felt like there is something there to, to give you some clues yeah. on what's going to happen. The, the only, again, it's completely different and, and not even close to what you're talking about. But the one thing that I can remember, like, uh, there used to be like a, an NCAA tournament kind of theorem checklist for like a potential national champion. And, there, and you know, like for a while, it was like must have at least one lottery pick. And, uh, and then that was always like, like to win the national championship. You had to have a lottery pick. You couldn't. And I, don't, I doubt that probably holds true still. Maybe it does. But but I know like that, that, that's kind of along the same thing. But but getting back to what you were saying about like, like option teams and run first teams, like uh, – like they'll, they'll like they'll tell you like interior defensive linemen like those are the those are the positions that that will blow that up like if you if you, if you can if you can get the push up the middle to kind of uh, d- disrupt some timing right away like that'll and, and eliminate that that kind of RPO type of deal like that that that's the most important uh, deal to, to to shutting down a good powerful running game is just kind of being being strong up the middle there. So here's my racing one that I wish I had. And I've, I've, ta- I've said it before. I've even talked to DRF about it. I've talked to Timeform about it. I've talked to other people about it. I think that 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 same Todd Pletcher stat that I gave earlier as an example, right? 10 for 20, first time blinkers or whatever it might be. Or Chad Brown switching to the turf, you know, 14 for 28. I want to know less about the winning percentage. And I've wanted to always know the uh, – figure improvement average, right? So of those 20 horses, what was the average figure improvement? They averaged a a figure improvement of, you know, seven points on the buyer scale. So you can look at the last race of an 85 buyer. Now they're getting blinkers and you can play the game in your head that that, that it's extremely likely that that could be a 92 next time out. How does that that figure in the field that they're now in? Exactly. Exactly. I've always thought that would be so much more valuable than the fact that they're 50%. That, 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 that is, yeah, again, that's adding another layer and drilling it down and mining it to a certain, a certain point. And and that that you could, you could mine it down like even further. You could put it into a class of race, whether you're you're looking at a maiden, maiden race or a a turf race, distance sprint i mean sprint going going a route uh you you can look you mine it down to like uh, oh, those 20 horses what are the, what are the odds like how many were sent off at seven to two were better like where were like just things like that to kind of really really make it as fine and specific uh as possible to see if the scenario is played out even before but i, I yeah I, I like that idea because yeah uh, all because yeah, you ten for twenty add, add in blinkers. I mean, yeah, you would assume that that would make the horse a contender in the race, but depending on the, the type of field that they're in, maybe it's not going to improve them enough uh, to really be a contender in that field. So, yeah, good idea. I like that. Chris, tell me a little bit about racing. How, how did how did uh, tell me kind of your first experience and 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 what what role it's kind of played in your life? Uh, you know, since that that first day. I mean, I mean, I, I've been following racing for as long as I can remember. I mean, I can remember the Belmont Stakes at going with my dad to go see Conquistador Cielo uh, when when the Belmont when Woody Stevens was ripping off his consecutive uh, Belmont streak. Uh, growing up on, on Long Island, out in East Purchase, we had a we had a, a quarter horse track named Suffolk Meadows, uh, which was very close by. So we would go there uh, regularly and just kind of hang out uh, for for a, for for an evening and have fun. My dad's godfather. Uh, used to write for a racing publication. Uh, have have my aunt and uncle uh, used to live uh, kind of close to to Roosevelt Raceway, so we would kind of go to the Trotters every now and then as well. So yeah, it it has always been a a part of my life. And obviously, going to school 
uh, in Miami, having the uh, at the time when you had Calder, Gulfstream, and Hialeah was still uh, up and going. Then, like spending a spending a, a Saturday or a Sunday at, at the track in in South Florida was it was a great way to, to to kill some time. And you're a college student, and certainly you're not betting the, the type of money that we're betting now. But uh, hey, I'm just gonna put two dollars across the board on on whomever, or just kind of play play an exacta with with, with the two or three horses. It, 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 it was fun. It was just a good way to go hang out and, and be outside. But yeah, it, it, it's always been a, um, a part of my life. And fortunately it's uh, turned into a situation where I've become a, 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 a good, I consider myself a good handicapper, maybe not the best better, but uh, I, I certainly think I'm, I'm a good handicapper. And, uh, and now being able to parlay that into actually, writing some columns and, and, and doing things on air, covering a, a sport that I, the, that I love and have loved for, for a long time. Certainly kind of cool to, to sit back thinking they're going to, in 1982, you're watching the Belmont and you're going to go in a little quarter horse track and Suffolk County is a 12 year old or whatever. And now here you are uh, in 2024 and you're, uh, you're doing bigger and better things. So, some of your favorite horses that really uh, kind of captivated uh, your attention throughout your time. I mean, I, I, I always, I mean, I, I remember uh, easy go or Sunday silence. And what I, while I loved Sunday silence, but be, being the, being the, the, the rude, incompassionate Northeast guy, I, I, I remember having a big, uh, easy go or bet, uh, in, in that for as big as a, as a big as a 16 year old could have at the time dad could you put 20 bucks or whatever on on easy go for me or whatever i mean i, I mean i remember that i mean i remember uh uh bet uh, loving bet twice uh, and i was always very uh partial towards him uh, and then i i loved left bank i mean i, I know it's a little it, it's a little later on in life but uh, that that horse i mean obviously uh, unfortunate ending uh, getting ill and passing far too early, but uh, the number of different distances uh, that that horse could not only compete but win uh, graded stakes at uh, w- w- was incredible. So I, I remember uh, left left bank was a horse uh, that, that I loved a lot. I remember being at the Jim Dandy uh, one year, and I cannot remember. I, I think it was the, the year Sky Mesa was in there, and I remember being in the paddock before the race, and seeing strong hope. And I was like, Oh my God, like, like just seeing strong hope was like the most imposing horse, like b- being up close to that horse. I'm like, that horse is winning the race. And, and I think he was five or six to one and he wound up winning. So strong hope is someone who I think is always near and dear uh, to my heart. And, uh, and another one, and to tie it into like the broadcasting part of it is in Vasur. Uh, I remember, I remember in 2006, um, yeah, in Vassour and Bernardini in the, in, in the classic. And, uh, I remember that day, uh, college game day when, when ESPN and ABC had the, the, the Breeders' Cup still. And Chris Fowler was doing the, the Breeders' Cup hosting the coverage that day. And we were, okay, let's, let's pick the Breeders' Cup classic on the air. And I wasn't making picks in 2006 on the air at the time, but Kirk was like, who do we like? And uh, I'm like, it's Invasor over Bernardini. He's like, what? Invasor over Bernardini. And then you're not only going to give people the winner, you're going to give them the cold exacta. Invasor to win, Bernardini to run second. So he goes on the air and he's like, I, I got a very, I, 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 I've heard it right from the horse's mouth over there, the, the, the bear. Invasor to win, Bernardini to finish second, going to give you the exacta. Fast forward later that night, that's exactly what happens. And we were at, I think it was a Texas A&M Oklahoma college football game, and they did. They were doing like the little sports center cut-ins, and Brent was calling play-by-play. Brent Musburger was doing the play-by-play for the game, and uh, Kirk was doing the color. Then hey, sports center now, blah blah blah, in college. And an Invasor, the Breeders' Cup Classic champion, Bernardini, previous winner, runs second, and come out. They come out of that, and Brent says, to, "You hear Brent with a little bit of a chuckle." <laughs> I was watching college game day earlier today there, laddie, and uh, someone happened to uh, give that exacta out on the air. How'd you come up with that? And uh, Kirk just starts kind of laughing and being coy, and he's like, uh, yeah, a little 
little little birdie named uh, Chris Felica kind of gave me that, and Kurt and Brent knew who I was, obviously, because I'd worked with worked with them as well. And he's like, "Ha ha, very very sharp handicapper, very good, well well done, well done." So it, it was just so Invasor has always had a uh, a very soft spot in my heart as well. How did you how did you handle? I would imagine that you've been to some wild ADWs prior. I mean, not ADWs, but uh, simulcast <laughs> places with eight with ADWs not always being available when it comes to like you know being on the road and needing to kind of get down. How, how did you handle all that when you're on the road all the time? Um, fortunately, at the time, there there were there were multiple. Things. I would either like I remember Indianapolis had a very convenient one. I remember I remember being uh, covering the the u.s open at uh at marion and i was down there the 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 the, like that day like before we went on the air and it might have been actually the week prior i got there saturday because we had we're supposed to be there sunday for the week leading up to the u.s open so i was like you know i'm just going to go down there saturday my wife is down there and i'm just going to spend the day I was like a like a like a Philadelphia OTB downtown, and it was it was awesome. But for the most part, I always had either uh, I don't either like a like an express bet or, or or something that I could always kind of fall back on. But I remember there were times where I actually had to make a bet. Like I'd have to like make a bet on Friday here before I was tied up all day at, at a college football game or or in the studio for college football because I knew I wasn't going to be able to get it. I remember the year, Black, I think it was a Black Tie Affair, or that, that, that maybe, well, who won, who won the classic the year at Woodbine? Was it Black Tie Affair, or am I, am I making that up? Oh, man. Well, you're, 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 you're the encyclopedia. Hold on, I'll tell you in two seconds. It was a Black Woodbine Breeders' Cup Classic. Let's see. It was not showing up. Of course, it's not. I'll get. Keep going. I'll keep. I'll get. It, I'll get. It. Not. Not. Not important to the story. But whomever it was, like I remember the the Breeders' Cup was at Woodbine, and I had was we called game day was in the studio that day, uh, covering all of these things. Uh, all the and then we throughout the day we'd have the wraps for out for the, and and I remember I literally had. My Bristol, my 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 auto tow tickets spread out all over like the desk that I was working at, and Tariko comes over. My Tariko comes over and he just starts laughing, and I'm like, "What are you laughing at?" He goes, "You are amazing." Because I have like I have like like a day's worth of does like Breeders' Cup classics that tickets that like just say Bristol OTB. And he's like, I need one of these. So I'm like, yeah, have one of my losers. So uh, as, as a souvenir for, uh, for, for Tariko, he has one of, one of my Breeders' Cup losers from uh, Woodbind, uh, Woodbind Breeders' Cup, uh, whatever race it was, at, uh, at Bristol OTB, whatever, whatever ticket he took. So uh, he, he, he got a kick out of that. But yeah, fortunately, uh, like, uh, the, I would also uh, – I'm trying to think back. I remember – I would actually have a just have to have friends make make wagers for me. I remember the uh, the the Giants Causeway tis now with Churchill. Like I remember just sending my tell, telling my buddy just just send send it in Giants Causeway over tis now, and they got a couple of their horses overall and a bunch of trifectas. And of course, I did not have tis now on top in that race, and. Um, course it looked like giants causeway for sure was going to go by and win and uh and he never did so i went up losing that and then I, but fortunately i wised up the following year in, in 2001 and uh and did wind up going uh tis now on top of when when tis now did wind up uh uh winning and uh, beating the uh the, uh the dolphin horse i can't remember what was it uh dalakani was it was um that year to, to, to tis now if i'm on the one at Belmont that was yeah. um no it was a it was a wasn't it a Coolmore horse was it a cool let me 2001 breeder yeah, yeah I, I can just type this stuff up too you know 2001 <laughs> breeders cup classic here we go uh, I, I know it's what got the it's what it's what got the uh tis now wins it for America yeah tis now wins it for America yep uh, then come on 
2001. Come on. I, I just, just tell me. Why do I, I don't. Saki. Saki. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That yep. was. You were yep. right about Godolphin. You were right about Godolphin. Yeah. yeah. There, there we go. So, yeah, I, I remember the following year having to. Yeah, have a have have a friend who was yeah, just let me know what you need. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be at the the the, the Bristol OTB or Sports Haven or wherever the hell he was, and I like just and I would literally just have to like like call him and just be like here, here here's here's what I want, and uh, and uh, and he wound up punching that for me. So then go back the next day and uh, cash cash my tickets was always was always a fun deal. You've you, you've you know famously following you on on Twitter and seeing you all over TV. You you you'll bet any sport, whatever you feel like you can find an edge. You'll you'll get involved. One one bet, all in one sport. What weight? What sport? What wager type would you do? Um, we are are, are is, is price. Is price like uh, I, I like I know I know the the negative EV people will probably hate me for saying this, but 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 if there is one sport, one all in bet that I'm going to make, I'm gonna cheat. I'm I'm, I'm gonna give you two if that's okay. Kind, no, I love kind it. Of, I love it. Kind of the same theory, but the same sport. It would be a team total. In soccer, under one and a half goal, under one and a half team goals, and it would be have to be a situation where you get a low score, a low scoring team on the road against a very good defensive team. Like those, and ironically, it's funny we're recording this on Friday afternoon or Friday, early Friday afternoon, late late Friday morning, and there was actually a situation like that. In Serie A today, where I played Genoa under one and a half team goals, and I, look, it's like minus five hundred, so you have to be willing to be able to stomach the juice, or maybe parlay it with Igas Fiatek tonight against Caroline Garcia, and you and you get the price down some. But uh, the, those situations where you're asking a team to go on the road that typically doesn't score goals to score two to beat you against a really good team. No, by the way, Bologna was terrible in their last game, losing three nil. So I, I, I love that bet today. That type of bet I love. And then a high-stakes soccer game, whether it's Champions League, uh, World Cup knockout, uh, first group stage game, under two and a half. Uh, people always expect goals, goals, goals. Uh, but you, in a, especially in a World Cup, you do not want to put yourself behind in terms of goal differential. Uh, early on and the same used to apply for like the, the the first leg of like the champions league knockout rounds where you had, where the, where like the road goals mattered like you you would not want to like be be giving up road goals so like the 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 team that was the, the team that was home would really really bunker down and just lock it up and not allow uh, the the road team to score so yeah, under two and a half and a high stakes. Like, like look at the uh, the Champions League final from last year, and I can remember because that was Belmonte, and and I can remember being there that morning, and it was the same day as like the French. I think it's the French Open, a uh, women's final as well, and oh, Manchester City's been scoring left it. Oh, they they're blowing people out, and they're playing Inter Milan, who had a very good midfield. And if you go back and look at a lot of these Champions League finals lately. They're all one nil, extra time, two nil. They're not high scoring, flashy games. And like the game, I think was scoreless until like nearly the 80th minute or so before Manchester City finally finally scored and won. So again, give me a good soccer under in a in a uh, a high stake match or a a team total uh, under one and a half in the perfect situation. Yeah, that's funny because I, I I've I've. You know, uh, during big events, I've I've participated in some soccer, and I know it sounds silly, but I mean, but I'm being serious. You know, I used to play FIFA all the time. Like I was a huge mm-hmm. FIFA guy, and I think when you when you play FIFA that much, you start paying attention and knowing who's good and knowing who's not, and and having a feel for it. And so, you know, occasionally on big events, I'll play some soccer, and I agree. I think unders, I think unders in all sports in general are typically underappreciated. Um, 
I, I think it's it's you know it's 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 one of those deals where people just don't like to play unders for whatever reason. The casual player, um, yep. and, and and I'm a I'm a huge fan of of an under in, in most situations. And 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 you see that, and and I think the 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 underlying root cause of that is people like to bet on things that they want to see happen, whether that's goals. Uh, whether that's high-scoring games in, a, in, a, in an NFL or a college football game, people don't want to sit there and, and see a 13-10 defensive battle in, in a national championship college football game. They, they don't want to see a nil-nil soccer match that's going to added time in a World Cup final. People want to see goals. They want to see points. They, they, want, to see, they want excitement. So that, that's why they tend to lean towards betting the overs, and, and I think that's why you'll – you and I know this, and a lot of very, uh, very good handicappers. Nigel Seely was a very good uh, soccer and tennis handicapper as well. Like, like people know, like the under is typically the sharper side, and the, and, and more you're going to get more professional play uh, on the under because t- people tend to sleep tend are going to be more inclined to bet the over. You're probably going to get a little bit more value if you do uh, kind of fade the public side, which more often than not is the over. Yeah. I mean, I think in football to me, the, the biggest enemy to the under, I, I would say a, uh, a backed up turnover, which is a, just a nasty, nasty thing. If you play the under uh, or a special teams touchdown, those two are just, I guess a defensive touchdown too, but um, a special team, those two things are just the, the worst in soccer. What is it? Uh, what is it? Penalty kick? Penalty what kick, is it? In the penalty, kick, penalty kick oh. by far. I, 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 I mean, and that really, and that it, Penalty kicks are, are, are awful, and the other thing that is terrible is when, and I actually had this happen the other day, in in one of these situations where you had a, a poor scoring team on the road against a, a better defensive team, and you had the red card pulled out, and they they went down a man right before had score. It was it was scoreless. There was no action in the game whatsoever. The handicap was right, nil nil. 40-something minute, red card, literally stoppage time of the first half, they score. So I'm like sitting there, team total under one and a half. I'm like, all right, do I cash out at a loss right now? I'm like, no, you know what? Let me see if I can get this through another couple of minutes or so, and uh, maybe I can get a better cash out option. So, of course, what happens? Didn't even make it two minutes into the second half. Another goal, 2-0, and that wound up being the final. So it was like li- literally, I, I couldn't get a little more time to, 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 to maybe get a better cash out or let it ride uh, a, a little bit more. But yeah, maybe when you get when you get a penalty kick, or that maybe a little shady, or you get a red card, like, like, like that's that's the uh, so so frustrating. So you'll you'll take one to five in soccer. Will you take one to five in horse racing? In a pick four or pick five, yes, I'll, I'll press a leg. Like, I, like I'm not going to play that race individually and just be like, I'm not going to bridge jump and, and and take 210 to show or whatever on a on a one to five shot because I'm not going to put that much money on it to, to really make that worthwhile. But if we but if I'm playing playing a pick four or a pick five, I'll, I'll press that leg uh, multiple 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 times and, and hope that I get land uh, prices around it. As someone who has, has, you know, made a career in in the arena, I know there's other things to it, but in the arena of gambling, and you know, say say Mike Rapoli put you in charge, what, what what would be the your biggest wagering remedy for horse racing to somehow kind of find its glory day success in terms of handle, or to kind of trend into the direction of other sports where their handle is all growing while ours happens to be going the other direction. I got, I got two for, I got two for you. And I think I say kind of tied together. Uh, one would be some type of fixed odds for horse racing. I mean, we, we've all been there at, at Gulfstream where we're looking at a horse four to one. It's horses four to one going into the gate. Then they come out of the gate and you see the horses eight to five. Like, like that, that, there's nothing more frustrating than that. And I guess the way why I say they're tied together is who wouldn't want to be able to parlay the, the the winner of the stakes race Sunday at Gulfstream or Oaklawn or wherever into 
the Washington Michigan game on Monday night. Play, play the. I, I want to take Michigan to win the college football championship with whomever to win the Pegasus. We'll use it. The, the Pegasus Pegasus winner parlayed with the 49ers to to win the Super Bowl. I, I think, and as a sports better, that's something that I think would really give horse racing a lot more exposure. Like, like you, you'd be getting sports betters to kind of like, oh, but there's a big horse race this week. Is there someone in that race that either is a favorite that maybe can't lose or has a really good chance to win that I could parlay with this underdog that I like in college football this weekend? Or is there a price horse in this stakes race that I can parlay with with with, with Alabama to, to beat whomever or Georgia to beat whomever? Like when you can get those type of bets involved where you're getting – Kind of, and that's one of the things that I love to do when I go out to Vegas. And now I can do it on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, they, they allow it. Are those cross sport parlays where you can parlay the winner of the Super Bowl with the winner of the of, of the college football playoff, with the winner of the Australian Open, uh, with the winner of the Premier League, and those things that with the winner of the Masters. Like those things have massive, massive payouts. And you're getting for, for for minimal amount of money. Like I had a, I had a ticket that, like last year, two years ago, I was a I was alive after Justin Thomas had that comeback at the PGM on a cruise, and I wake up Monday morning, and like not thinking I had a chance to win, and I'm like, what the hell happened? I see Justin Thomas won uh, the, the PGA, and I had that tied into uh, uh, Liverpool to win the Champions League. And it was like a $30 bet that was going to yield like $40,000. And like, those are the type of bets that I think people would love to make. Now you may, you may not necessarily get that type of payout well into five figures uh, on just like a two or three leg type of deal where uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to play the, the Breeders' Cup winner, di- classic winner with the Breeders' Cup distaff winner with Georgia against Tennessee or whomever. Like, but, but, but still, you're, you're look the, the more you accumulate uh, in those in those parlay legs, uh, the, the better payoff you're going to get. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That sounds so much fun. Like, and and, and here's the thing too is like, I even I'm even a believer that like I'm a believer in two things. One, I understand not to go down this rabbit hole, but like I'm I understand the the horsemen's. I don't fully understand their perspective, but I understand the fact that they feel like the low and in order for fixed odds to work, the takeout has to be significantly lower. It just won't work. Ask the roulette wager out in California. The the takeout has to be lower in order for it to work. And I understand that the horsemen fear that all of the wind pool money will then go to this fixed odds situation. And then they're not going to have their purse accounts as high as they need to have them. And I think that that's a very, very narrow way to look at it on a couple of, for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, a bigger piece of the pie, a bigger pie equals their piece being larger. It's going to make up for it. If you have people that are parlaying Michigan and, and, uh, and, and the race in the seventh at Aqueduct tomorrow, like it just, it's going to make more people pay attention. Now, even if they have a problem with that, then my argument would be two things. The first one would be then just do it for big races where there's the pools are big enough anyways that someone taking their $1,000 wager and putting it into a fixed odds situation where you're only getting a 5% takeout is not going to hurt your feelings as much as it's happening in all of these situations where versus the 15% takeout that you're getting. That's the one thing. The second and, and, thing. Go ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you got it. No, I, I was going to say, I'm sitting here thinking about that. Like, look at those prop, the like, like the Super Bowl prop bets that you have, how creative uh, th- those things are you you can be even like within like a like like a racing car you can be like here is today's wagering menu uh at saratoga uh chad brown will will win win over under two and a half races today todd pletcher will win over under two and a half races today uh Arad ortiz jr will win over under three and a half races today uh the, the the largest winning distance will be over under five and a half lengths. There's so many things that you can do to expand the wagering pool and expand the footprint of, of horse betters. Like, and, and you're making it easier for the for the for the for the for the new player. I mean, 
I, I've gone to the Derby however many years in a row now with, with Kirk and, and his friends, and so much of my time is that trying to teach people how do you read the form, what does this mean, what is that, and that's great. We want the education for the, for the new people to understand what, what, what does this mean in the racing form? Uh, what does this mean on the thoroughbred sheet? What is it? What is this time? For? We want people to know that. But at the same time, if you can just kind of introduce them to, hey, a, 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 a rat is on, he has nine mounts today. He's going to be on five favorites. Um, his over-under for the day is three and a half wins. You should just bet the over three and a half wins and just root for a rat Ortiz to win all these races. Then you win. It's it's an easy to understand, digestible bet that, that I think would be very well received, not only by the newcomers, but kind of by experienced horse players too. Like even within within like the Kentucky Derby and the, and the big races, like I love the head-to-head matchups. Like I probably had more money bet on like head-to-head matchups within the Derby this year than I actually had the Derby itself just because of all the late scratches and horses that I liked getting scratched. So new, new, new bets like that, creativity is great. Oh, I mean, you literally said exactly what I was going to say. And that's, and, and, and that's <laughs> the thing too, right? It's because for, for those for sorry, people that were listening, no, no, no. For people in this that listen to the show that don't have any idea about betting soccer, you in two minutes explained – how betting the under uh, when a bad team that doesn't score goals is playing a good team, uh, the team total under. You did it in two minutes how that makes sense. I can't explain to you why elite power is going to win the sprint in two minutes where you feel confident in the reason I'm telling you out. You know, it's just like it's hard for me to teach you how to find that on your own. A, a horse like that to me is like a lock. And, and that's the problem that we don't understand in this game, but so frustrating is like the barrier to entry is very hard in racing because the information costs money and it's a lot of information to process, to try to figure out. And you have to fight the high takeout sports betting is easy in entry. Cause there's usually just two sides to a situation. You can pick the side you want and you can watch sports center for 28 hours in a row. And you can feel like you're an expert and make a decision. And, and, and we don't understand that while we might lose a little bit by some of the money leaving the paramutual pool with the high takeout going to other situations that have lower takeout, but we're making the game more approachable. The person that you mentioned at Saratoga that comes to Saratoga and I give them exact the wheels to play all day is going to have a better experience just betting IRAD over three and a half wins. They're going to be confused about the exact, or they're not going to fully understand. They, they're going to get beat. They're going to, oh, they're going to lose. They're going to win. They's going to probably break even, if anything. It's just, just let them enjoy the IRAD thing, and then they'll come back next Saturday. And then they'll come back the Saturday after that. And then, like all of us, they'll, they'll get books. They'll listen to podcasts. They'll read DRF. You know what I mean? Like, let, let them have a good experience. And I just don't understand why we're so hesitant to that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I would think, and, and, and again, I, I don't know this for sure, but but I would I would have thought maybe this is something that uh, FanDuel we, we would do now with the whole FanDuel TV uh, TVG partnership, like like on TVG is that platform uh, available? Is it something they're exploring? I, I certainly uh, w- would hope to. I, it, <clears throat> in New York with with, with Naira Betts, I mean New York has a ton of uh, available sports books in, in that state to potentially partner up with, with, with Naira Betts and, and to kind of maybe do a, a, a cross-platform kind of thing. Like the, 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 the like what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like, like the partners are, are out there. It, it's just a matter of someone bringing these partners together and figuring out a way probably to, to, to split a piece of the pie. Bear, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what, what how are we getting paid uh, on Monday night? Unfortunately, uh, my Longhorns won't be in the mix. Mm. My 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 plans changed drastically for what I was going to do on Monday night. I'll be watching out of the corner of my eye. But uh, how, how are we getting paid uh, on uh, on Monday night? Unfortunately, I was right there with you. I had a twenty-five to one future ticket on Texas to win the national title, so uh, that was uh, a tough loss for me. And I actually, it's funny we talked about those crossboard parlays. I had I, I had I had a crossboard parlay live with uh, Igor Sviatek to win the Australian Open. 
uh, Novak Djokovic or Carlos Alcaraz to win the U.S. with to win the Australian Open, with Texas to win the College Football Championship, uh, with, with the 49ers and Ravens to win the Super Bowl, with Manchester City or Liverpool to win the Premier League. That kind of went went up went up in flame there. That was well into uh, well into six figures. So I'm 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 a little bit down. I have not necessarily been fading Washington all year, but so much of what they've done appears just to be like unsustainable uh, winning all these close games, winning all these one score games, uh, winning. I mean, you, you beat Oregon, you're an, you're an underdog at Oregon state and you wind up winning uh, double, nearly a double digit underdog against Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. You, you wind up winning um, under uh, underdog again against Texas. You win. I, I just wonder though, with Michigan here, and I think the number is four and a half now. Do they possess basically the type of team that Washington will have trouble with? Now, look, Washington wide receivers catch everything. They're very difficult difficult to uh, to, to defend. But will I mean, Michael Bennett is difficult to sack? But will Michigan be able to play a really good complementary style of football? to keep the ball out of Michael Penix's hands. Uh, for for those who may have seen the Michigan-Penn State uh, game earlier this year, like Michigan in the second half of that game threw a one pass. They basically ran Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards uh, the entire second half because in, in that instance, they knew Penn State wasn't capable of doing anything offensively that even if they got stopped, they were going to get Penn State off the field. But here I think it's a little bit different. If you look at how Washington has – Given up a bunch of yards on the ground, uh, given up some points, and get kind of let Texas back in that game late with a with a couple of bad mistakes. Uh, Texas had success with Baxter Blue running running the ball; they just turned it over a couple too many times. Oregon and USC ran the ball at will against Washington. I think Michigan can kind of do that here. So uh, I do think Michigan is going to win. The, the one play that I like the mo- I'd lay the four four and a half whatever you can do, but the play that I do like the most is uh, Michigan minus three and a half in the second half of the game, because I do think you're going to see Michigan kind of slow bleed this kind of, I don't want to say bludgeon, but kind of just ultimately wear Washington down where in the second half, I think they're going to be able to break off a couple of big ones, score some touchdowns and ultimately pull away. So if you want to play Michigan minus four and a half, four, you can do that. Michigan minus three and a half in the second half. And then I have not yet seen uh, a lot of like the props for the game pop up. But if you look and you see, like, the will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown scored in the game bet pop up, I would bet the no. And it probably will be the favorite side, and there'll probably be a little bit of juice behind it. But if you look at Michael Penix and J.J. McCarthy's two offenses, they typically don't turn the ball over. So it kind of eliminates a defensive score. Penix typically doesn't get sacked. So that kind of eliminates a strip sack and score. Uh, McCarthy, uh, typically, Michigan doesn't allow a ton of sacks either, uh, so that probably eliminates that. Maybe will we get a special teams touchdown? Who knows? But I I, I don't see this as a game where, where, where Michigan's going to punt very often, and I don't see this as a game where Washington's defense is going to be able to uh, get a defensive score, and, and I don't think Penix will turn the ball over a ton. So the, the two things that I like the most are Michigan minus three and a half, in the second half, and then uh, no non-offensive or defensive team touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's one of my favorite things is, is teams that run the football really well. I mean, I know it's probably a little bit obvious, but especially as, as someone who loves an under and things like that, I think for things not to happen, I think that playing teams, are, when their teams that run the football are involved, you, you got to think it's a shortened game. So there's shortened yes. opportunities for there to be a special teams touchdown. There's shortened opportunities for there to be a, a strip sh- sack. It just happens less because the clock's running all the time when uh, a team is running the football and not throwing incompletions. So um, I, I can see I, I would be hard pressed to like argue too much about anything like under ish, like anything under ish type of happening, mm-hmm. especially on a big stage like this. Cause people are going to look at season. You know, a lot of those things are based on season averages. I think that those were the sports books start and then see where the money comes and then they move accordingly. Um, but in, in a game that handles so much, I think that they'll, you know, they'll, they'll get players for both sides regardless. So I, I love those two plays. 
Chris, I, I appreciate it. I know it's a busy week for you and, and as, as uh, college football wraps up and, and I appreciate you getting on and, and talking a little bit of horse racing and, and I look forward to, uh, to uh, some fun Fox stuff uh, throughout the year. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get you, get you out a little bit more to, to Saratoga. I know it's, it's leading up to a busy time for you, but yeah. we'll hopefully we'll get you out there a little bit more. Yeah, totally. It, it was, it was such a weird summer for me being in Australia for five months that my, my, my horse racing, uh, wagering took a uh, an unfortunate uh, step back in terms of like how much I was betting, me paying attention, uh, especially during the Saratoga Del Mar season. Fortunately, I got dual qualified for the NHC prior to leaving, so that worked out well. But uh, yeah, I, I think now that I'm, I'm sitting here with the re- rehabbing a uh, shoulder replacement surgery, so uh, I, I got some time on my hands now. I'm not going to be doing a uh, a ton of traveling, so I, I would expect the uh, I'd expect the Gulf Stream in, in Oakland and uh, maybe some Santa Anita and aqueduct handles to be going up over the next month or two. Well, we're looking forward to it. And uh, like, yeah, like I said, we appreciate you taking the time and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, bud. Appreciate you. Bear. I appreciate it. That was awesome. Thank you so much for the time. I know it's a busy time for you. It's like, uh, you know, it's like bothering, um, bothering, uh, you know, the racing guys uh, the night before the Derby asking them a bunch of questions. So I appreciate you taking the time. And once again, I want to thank our friends at Qatar racing for their support of JK plus one throughout this year uh, or the previous year and uh, look forward to uh, continuing that relationship. And I uh, want to say thanks to Sheikh Fahad in particular for their support, his support with uh, Qatar racing and the partnership with JK plus one. I want to thank Chris Felica again for taking the time uh, on a busy, busy, week for him with lots of different obligations i'm sure being pulled in lots of different directions and and now we got some soccer bets to make and uh, hopefully some national championship football games um, wagers to make based on that game and what we heard from chris i want to thank all of you for listening uh thanks for all the support throughout the year it's been a ton of fun we're going to keep rolling we're going to keep rolling we got a lot of good ideas uh for some guests that we're going to have uh coming up in the next couple of weeks a couple of months and the rest of the year so make sure you follow, subscribe, uh, follow on, on, on YouTube, follow on Twitter, follow on the podcast app, Spotify, wherever you can do it, do it. We appreciate you. We'll see you next week. I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche. There's five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in signs, then let them in talk up their body, another one body that's just high.